0: this is Camille Broderick, the host of Camille's Demi Hour, a show always educating on wine, healthy and delicious food, and the talented people of Nantucket. We will hear from those who create so many of these wonderful delights and experiences on island, from the chefs behind the line to the sommeliers on the floor and the gourmet artisans in between. Welcome to Camille's Demi Hour on 89.5 Nantucket's NPR station. Good afternoon, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. This is Camille Broderick with Camille's Demi Hour on 89.5 Nantucket's NPR station. Our guest today is someone I thought would be of interest to those who aren't just in the food and wine industry, but in management and hospitality in general. She's a great example of both a manager and a leader who is cool and collected under pressure. And she does this by being personal and genuine. I first met her when I worked at the Wawinit, and she was my boss. She was the general manager. She now manages over six of the Nantucket Island Resort properties and probably encounters over thousands of guests each season. And in a demanding, fast-paced In a very unpredictable industry, a leader needs to keep their team in line, focused, and motivated. And not only does she do this, but she makes it look easy. She is a a friend and my old boss and someone I've been wanting to get on the show since we started the show two seasons ago. Her name is Bettina Lant. I'm sure most of you know that name, and if you don't, I'm sure you will at some point. She is the general manager of the White Elephant downtown and among some other properties as well, which is part of the Nantucket Island Resorts. Welcome, Bettina.
1: Thank you. It's nice to be here, finally.
0: I know. It's so nice to have you here. So you've been on island for many years, but why don't we talk about your background and where you were born and what brought you to Nantucket?
1: Sure. I was born in Zurich, Switzerland, Um, lived there for um, a few years when I was little, then moved around a little bit, ended up in New York, Uh, went to Cornell. I um, graduated from their hospitality program there many years ago. After that, I started working for four seasons, moved around with them for a little bit, Um, had the opportunity to work in Hawaii for them, which was amazing. Yeah, I heard Um, about that. I didn't know that
0: part about you. So you're a real island girl.
1: I am an island girl. I worked in Hawaii at the Maui property, which was so beautiful. Learned a lot there. Um, Moved to New York City. Opened, um, or right after their opening of the flagship property on 57th Street. Mm -hmm. Um, Did that for a number of years and then ended up working for small boutique hotels, which is actually what I got my degree in. And ended up here on beautiful Nantucket working at the Wawinick.
0: So not many people really have that trajectory at such a young age, knowing really what you want to do. How did you know? Was it the Swiss hospitality background? (laughs) Do you remember that moment when you knew this is what you wanted to do?
1: I actually do remember the moment, and I count myself very lucky for knowing at a young age what I wanted to do. I was in my teens, and my parents were starting to ask, what do you think you want to do And I didn't really have a good answer for them. And at the time, we were on vacation, and I looked around and I realized that that is the environment I want to be in. And I somewhat, for lack of knowing, a a better answer to give them, and of course, as a teenager wanting to get them an answer to get them to stop (laughs) asking me, um, said hospitality. And they they seemed to think that was a really good idea. Um, And the more I explored it, the more I liked the idea, because it allowed for travel, it allowed for some fun perks, it allowed for a nice career. And I always felt, even as I chose it, that it was the right decision to make. I also felt that there was a lot of safety in this career, because no matter what the economy does, um, with enough humility, you should always be able to find something to do.
0: Everyone needs to sleep and everyone needs to eat. (laughs) Mm
1: -hmm. Absolutely.
0: (laughs) What was the experience like at Cornell? Um, It's one of the best hospitality programs in the country, any mentors or professors that really stuck out to you that you learned from from the beginning?
1: I loved my time at Cornell. Um, Cornell itself offered a really tremendous program. Um, For me, it was a big transition to go from a very small high school. Um, A lot of people don't know, but I went to a very tiny high school. I graduated with 12 other students. So to go from that to a (laughs) university where, you know, even though the hotel program was fairly small you still are immersed into this greater culture of of a big university. So for me to go from class size of of 12 or 13 into a class size of maybe 2,000 for some of the bigger lectures was somewhat shocking. I did enjoy it on the whole, and I had some great professors. There was one in particular, Giuseppe. He um, is a legend um, up there, and he's still there. And he really taught the fun of this industry as opposed to just sort of, you know, the the statistics. Right.
0: And so you shifted into more boutique luxury side. Is that feels that's more reflective of who you are and maybe of that upbringing?
1: I felt um, that I really enjoyed the luxury aspect of it. I enjoy providing people with personal service, um, and that includes the staff. It includes the the guests. So it really sort of goes both ways. And I feel that even though some of the luxury chains um, provide amazing training grounds, for me personally, it, w- it felt more comfortable to be in a smaller environment.
0: You've been on some leadership shows here on <laughs> Island and talking about management. How many years have you been on Island?
1: Um, this is our 15th year. We do, Well, going into 16th season. And you started at, started at
0: the It Started at the Wawinit. And Wawinette. you were there for about about seven years seven years and then you moved over to the white elephant so within all that time you've been handling many guests many project employees (laughs) projects as a leader in hospitality it's a sort of a double whammy because it's an industry but it's a hospitality industry so you need to specifically yourself have innate qualities to take care of people like you said so how do you find that in the people that you hire
1: I think it starts with the interview process. It starts with simple things like eye contact, with smiles, with Mm. genuine interest. Um, It goes beyond that. I think once you do hire them, you do need to train them correctly and you need to set the expectations right from the beginning. I try to, with my management team, create an environment that makes people comfortable and makes people realize that what we're looking for isn't a programmed delivery of service it's a genuine delivery of service and I think that there is much more freedom in that I would rather have an employee that genuinely um, embraces hospitality and genu- genuinely solves a problem and has empathy and and immerses themselves into it versus an employee that is really good at saying the same thing over and over again yeah
0: in your style you say that there's mm-hmm. uh, real hospitality mm-hmm. versus fake hospitality can you give examples of that
1: I think real hospitality is looking at at a challenge or an opportunity and fixing it the way that you would want it fixed if you were the guest, and then maybe having it fixed even better than you could ever expect if you were the guest. That, I think, is the home run right there. And, And there are many examples of that. But I think really sort of embracing and leaning into a situation as an employee for a manager versus leaning away from it and just looking the other way there was a big difference
0: and you also say how you solve a problem but then you always go back in again and check in on them so it's you you constantly are taking care you trust your employees to do that or you train them to do that
1: it's a little bit of both. I think in the beginning, especially, it's training them to do that. Um, having them watch you is one thing, but then following up with them and saying, hey, did you follow up with that guest? Or giving them ideas with what they can do to add that extra step. Right. And then en- encouraging them to continue to do that with other situations that arise. It's it's not not always intuitive for employees to do that i think they tend to be just so happy that the problem is solved right um but then really going back in there and reminding them you have one more job to do which is to really 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 make sure that's done
0: so as a woman i have had some great bosses and some horrible bosses (laughs) you're in the prior category um and I know what I found special and unique about you, and that genuine side is definitely a part of it. You also have a, a real sense of calmness, too, when it comes to solving these problems and being there when when you're needed, having that kind of intuition. But I wonder if you've reflected on being a woman and if it has actually benefited your job and if it has
1: helped you in some ways. It's hard to say. I feel that the way I look at at situations is my job is to make other people's jobs easier um and to make the guests stay better so i look at it as opportunities when i see an interaction or or a guest that's having an issue or an employee that's maybe looking at something going well that could be done better My job is to make that happen and to remove any kind of obstacles and to be there when the employees need me to be there um, and to give advice when I need to give advice or to, you know, take something off their plate when when they're just their plate is too full and there is that moment where they just can't do it. So it's nice to be able to walk in. And and as you said, trying to be there at all the right times and and take those things off their plate.
0: And so training management specifically Mm -hmm. is a challenge for a lot of directors and managers in all different industries and it's a real commitment so where does that rank in your priorities considering it's a seasonal seasonal property
1: it ranks really high because as you had bosses in your past life that are great and some that are not so great, I look at these managers, whether they're year round or seasonal, but they, they are those future bosses. Mm-hmm. So the more I can teach them about doing the right thing and developing their own management st- management style, they will become those great bosses of the future. Yeah. And that's what you want ultimately. Do you have any great boss stories? Oh, gosh, I do. And I think the best bosses to me were the ones with a sense of humor and the ones that you were not afraid of. I had bosses that we would literally love it when they came because it was fun and they were not necessarily one of us, quote unquote, but they were definitely welcome and they were looked forward to Mm Um, I had other bosses that were horrible and just didn't know how to say the right things at the right time. And and I still remember those days and I just look at it and I'm like, I don't ever want to be that person. Right.
0: What did your parents do?
1: Do you think that they have an influence in your leadership style? Um, that I don't know because they very often ask me where that came from. So I'm not sure that they really did have an influence on it. But they certainly love to go out and entertain in the house. They love to entertain and take people out. So there was certainly that aspect of it.
0: So you started at the Wawinit, and obviously now you're at the White Elephant. Can you talk about the differences between the properties to those who don't know?
1: So the Wawinit is located nine miles outside of town. It really caters more to couples, um, whereas the White Elephant is an iconic harborside hotel that's in town or almost in town. Um, where we cater to couples, we cater to families, we cater to corporate clients. Um, We really do – we're everything to everyone in so many ways. Um, While Winnet is more of a boutique-style hotel where you really have this experience of – calm you have this experience of being pampered and you have an amazing view sounds nice I know right <laughs> doesn't it and the wall when it is just absolutely beautiful and so is white elephant white elephant is a lot busier so the energy is much different mm-hmm. um, you're in town you you've got the boats you've got the ever-changing harbor um, so there's a lot more activity so the the base energy line is much higher mm-hmm.
0: And so your husband runs the wall win It. So how did you guys meet? And how did you know that you guys were both going to be in the same industry?
1: <laughs> well, uh, we met in Hawaii. Um, we actually met on um, a blind date. And we moved to New York together where he started um, working in the, the front line of, of hotels as well. So he started at the Waldorf Astoria. And we ended up just being able to work together, which is kind of unique. A lot of couples can't do that.
0: So the Wall is a Relay & Chateau property. Can you describe
1: the accolades or what um, requirements you need to be within that category? So as a property, if you decide that you are going to align yourself with one of these flags per se, Relay & Chateau really suits the smaller property. So what they look for when you fill out your application and you go through the process of applying to become part of Relay & Chateau They look for a commitment to food and beverage, a commitment to a boutique stay, just a commitment to the experience as a whole. The client that travels to Raleigh and Chateau properties is a high-end client. They may know Raleigh and Chateau from Europe, where they might have stayed at a castle in France or at an amazing estate in Italy or, you know, multiple different experiences. But they're all very true to their environment Um, so they're very often exactly what you would want to see amongst the wineries in France or or Mm -hmm. even in Napa and and it's just very nice they're very committed to the brand they very often drive from one to the other stay a few nights in one place and then go to Mm -hmm. to the next one.
0: So the expectations as a guest from a guest perspective you're having the same level of service for all of them but it's really a um I guess back to the word genuine, genuine experience for that area and for that region, I suppose.
1: Absolutely. So they can be very different one to the next. And that is part of what's expected. Mm -hmm. But they should reflect the authenticity of its location. And they should also be small. So you will not generally find any Relay and Chateau that's over a hundred rooms, I think, is their magic number.
0: And so, you liking the luxury boutique hotels, but now being at the White Elephant, what differences are you experiencing, and what do you like being downtown?
1: I love downtown. I was nervous about it at first, and that's a true statement. Going from when it where you know everything had such a great flow, um, to the White Elephant, which is such an iconic property and has such high expectations of the entire community. I do love it. It's it's beautiful. It's busy. We do weddings. We do corporate. We do Easter brunch, and and there are Easter bunnies involved. There's all sorts of things. So it's <laughs> it's just kind of fun. It keeps it's, keeps keeps me interested. It's a party all the it's time. It's a party. It's true. <laughs>
0: so uh, if you're just tuning in, we're speaking with Bettina Lawn. She's the general manager of the White Elephant here downtown on Nantucket Island. And being a manager, you've been here for 15 years and working with a lot of people who live here year-round as well, and you are a year-rounder and have children here. And how do you separate yourself from work? There's a lot of things that float into work, and even with your employees, and um, a lot of things are out in the open. So how do you maintain that privacy?
1: I think it's a really good point, and living in a small community, whether it's here or probably anywhere, there really isn't much of an anonymity factor, so you have this ebb and flow of your professional life and your personal life that automatically is part of your lifestyle. And that's why we choose a small community because it is so protected and and it it's it's amazing. And the, the community support is really unprecedented. I've never seen anything quite like this, although it probably exists elsewhere. But for me, this is a first to live in such a small, caring community. And I do think that you have to keep in mind that no matter whether you're at work or at home or at the supermarket or anywhere else or at school, you're going to interact with, with people that know what you do or, or are part of that on some level. So, you know, I try to keep a professional composure and, and the authenticity, I think, speaks to that. And, and you just make it work.
0: And with managing people, is it cha- mm-hmm. more challenging on that level if their personal life can affect their their professional life?
1: I think that's the case no matter where you go.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's true. That's true. Especially in that industry, right? Oh,
1: my gosh. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Well, let's talk about you and your experiences outside of work, because what you see and how you live affects how you work and your professionalism and what inspires you. So what positives and negatives in life, how do those moments in life give you perspective as a leader?
1: I think a lot of that has to do just with working with people, letting them be part of your work family and now that we have two kids the idea of family and how you treat others and and how you interact with other people I think really has proven that being authentic and being real and looking at other people how do they feel and how do I change what I do to make them happier Um, as you look at your kids or as you look at your employees it's all part of the same mindset and you like to travel and experience things
0: on the off season uh, any uh, fun stories or favorite dining experiences
1: you've had that
0: have kind of bring you back fresh and new for the season
1: that's a really good question. We just recently um, traveled to Europe over Christmas. Um, we also try to go to Florida, like most of Nantucket probably, for a couple of weeks every winter to enjoy the sunshine. And we do that. We have family down there. Because you don't get to see it when, when you're here. <laughs> we, we really don't. It's so, it's so unfortunate. But it is part of living here and being yeah. busy in the summer. Um, we also... Got to spend two days in Cuba, um, which was on my husband Eric's um, list of places that he really wanted to go, and he's been wanting to go for a long time. So we finally did it this year, and that was really fun. We went to Havana, spent two nights there. And how was that
0: experience being at the cusp of hospitality, shifting to a more global market? What was it like?
1: It was interesting. It was definitely um, beautiful. The architecture is amazing. The genuine um, hospitality that you find down there from anyone is unbelievable. They're so kind. I think that they have a long way to go from an inf- infrastructure standpoint. It's it's very very much like a third world country in some ways. So even though you can pick a luxury hotel, you walk outside your door and you still are confronted with things that are not so nice. Yeah. However, there's a lot of potential. The place is beautiful. The people are absolutely lovely. I think that it's not going to be for everyone just yet. You know, as an American, your cell phones are not going to work. Your credit cards are not going to work. There is not going to be a lot of Wi-Fi. So all of our favorite things are not there yet. <laughs> um, but I think it is coming and it's certainly a bit of an adventure. Mm-hmm. And I think that now is the time to see it if you want to see what it was like. And what about
0: any food experiences? Are there some favorite cuisines that you love right now or um, a country you're obsessed with?
1: We are really open to just about anything. Um, we do like to explore the food that is is local. As I said, we were in Cuba, and the concierge recommended a uh, Italian restaurant and and it just didn't quite fit. Um, right. so not to say anything beyond that. but I think um when when in Rome, you you do want to experience the local food right. and the freshness and all the the sort of more inspired local things. So we try to look for those. And it it doesn't have to be fancy. And in many cases, we probably prefer it not to be. And
0: so how have the guests and their behavior changed over the years uh, as you've worked here on Nantucket?
1: I feel that guests are really traveling more and more with multiple generations. So as far as a leisure guest goes, you'll very often see that they're traveling with their children, they're traveling with their parents. And then that creates in and of itself sort of an opportunity to really get involved and make sure that that dynamic works well for them Mm -hmm. and that they're able to really spend that precious time together without worrying about a lot of things.
0: And what about their dietary habits and what they're looking for in regards to food and drink?
1: I think they're looking to have their dietary needs, which are becoming a little bit more complicated. I think there's somewhere between being true allergies or, or just dietary choices that are based on health choices, and they just really want to be looked after. So we actually welcome a guest that tells us what their dietary restrictions are, and we work with that versus, you know, when you have somebody that's trying to pick and choose their own thing, we would rather be able to present them with a really amazing meal that they are happy to have instead of having them feel like they're not able to get what they want.
0: What kind of experiences do you like to suggest to people who first come to the island? Are there things that you feel that are mm-hmm. must-dos, whether it's going to the lighthouse or what are what are some of your favorite musts when people visit, even with your own friends, not just guests?
1: I like to start by telling people to explore all three lighthouses um, because I think that that sort of forces the The issue of going to these three amazing places. Brant Point is fun. It's easy. You can grab your cup of coffee, get down there. It's a great photo op. It's so beautiful. Going out to Sconset, seeing Sconset, and then doing the Bluff Walk and seeing the lighthouse out there. It's beautiful and it's different. And then the adventure of Great Point. Not a lot of people do it. And I think (laughs) that they should. It's so stunning out there with the seals and you grab your lunch and you go... So to see people explore all these three points is a great starting point, I think.
0: Ge- Geographically, it's a good it's a good touchstone mm-hmm. for the island, too. Absolutely. Get out there. You've said before that you set goals for yourself every year, both personally and professionally. So what are some things that you really want to achieve at the property this year?
1: Last November, um, we brought our new ballroom online, which is over at the White Elephant Village. So our common goal this year is to really have not only the communities see it and make sure that they know where it is and that it exists, but to really start getting people to enjoy that product mm-hmm. because it's allowing us to open up more availability for weddings. It's allowing us to um, accommodate groups that come in the spring and fall when the island really needs that business mm-hmm. and needs those people in the dining rooms and needs those people in the shops. It's great. More parties. Yay!
0: <laughs> so again, thanks, Bettina, so much for joining us. We were speaking with Bettina Lant, the general manager of The White Elephant. It's been a pleasure to have you today. Thank you, everyone, again for listening. This is Camille Broderick with Camille's Demi Hour on Nantucket's NPR station. Please tune in every Saturday and Sunday at one thirty. Cheers! And I would like to thank my sponsor, Nantucket Culinary. Food is love. Food is learning. Food is fun. Welcome to Nantucket Culinary, a home for sharing, celebrating, and conserving the island's unique heritage. Events, dinners, and classes. Come join us downtown at 22 Federal Street on the corner of Broad and Federal. Come on.